Good morning. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. You know, um, if you and I read the newspaper, or watch the news on television, or read of the news on our computers, there's probably no city in the world mentioned more often than Jerusalem. Sometimes it's mentioned because of the ongoing conflict among its inhabitants. Sometimes it's mentioned as a holy city. Sometimes there's a conflation between the holiness of its city and the conflict between its inhabitants. And sometimes we read about the wonderful archaeological uh, discoveries in the city of Jerusalem and its environs that give us insight into the Holy Scriptures, whether the Torah or the New Testament. However we uh, read of Jerusalem, we know that this is no mere city. This is a place in a land that resonates in the three primary monotheistic traditions in our world. And this morning, I want to chat with you about Jerusalem. And we're going to do it in a very special manner. I have as a guest this morning, Imam Mohan Jabara of the Cordova Islamic Center, who is going to share with us the meaning of Jerusalem to his faith, to the Islamic faith. And then the two of us are going to chat a bit about Jerusalem and the nature of holy places. I think you'll find this to be a very interesting conversation. You know, the old city of Jerusalem has within its walls holy places central to Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. These include the Western Wall built by King Solomon in the 10th century uh, before the Common Era as a retaining wall to support the Temple Mount. In addition, we find the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, commenced in the 4th century of the Common Era under the Emperor Constantine's rule. And we find the Dome of the Mock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque built after the conquest of Jerusalem by the Caliph Omar in the 7th century. The proximity of these sites reflects the close historical and doctrinal relationship between these three monotheistic religions. From the Jewish perspective, Jews have lived in the land of Israel for nearly 4,000 years, going back to the period of the biblical patriarchs. Some would say in 1900 years before the Common Era. The story of the Jewish people and its capital, Jerusalem, and the Jewish temple there has been one of exile, destruction, and rebirth. The detailed history of ancient Israel is recorded in the Hebrew Bible, of course known to many of you, my listeners, as the Old Testament. 
The biblical history of the Jewish people begins when Abraham is told to travel to the promised land, as it says in Genesis 12, to the land I will show you. When Abraham's grandson, Jacob, later renamed Israel, encounters the site on Mount Moriah where centuries later the temple would stand, he says, how awe-inspiring is this place. It is the house of God. It is the gate of heaven, as he says in Genesis 28. He is told, according to tradition, that Jerusalem is the site that the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes, as it is a place established in his name. It is, you, it is there that you shall go to seek God's presence. Deuteronomy 12, 3. Jerusalem began to fulfill the function of a spiritual and national capital for the Jews in the 10th century before the Common Era, according to Jewish tradition. When King David made his seat of judgment and brought the Ark of the Covenant to rest there, it was David who conceived the idea of building a temple as a permanent house of God, a plan eventually fulfilled by his son Solomon. Judaism began to celebrate festivals of national pilgrimage and a liturgy comprising the inspired poetry of the Psalms was sung in a temple administered by hereditary priests, scribes, and musicians. The name Kohen, a name that uh, today, of course, many Jews use, uh, means priest, and the tribe of Levi Again, names that you might hear among uh, Jews, these refer to the tribe of Levi and are the descendants of the scribes and the musicians. When the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem in 586 before the Common Era, they also partially destroyed the temple. The Jews sent into exile by this event pledge that they would never forget their beloved uh, Jerusalem or its temple. And many of you are aware of Psalm 137 by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Of course, that song refers to the song sung in the ancient temple. And if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I remember thee not, if I set not Jerusalem above my chiefest joy. That ancient psalm is a wonderful reflection of the ancient power that Judea, that Jerusalem uh, impacted on the psyche of the Jewish people. Just two other notes historically before I welcome my guest. In the 5th century of the Common Era, the Second Temple was built. In 169, it was desecrated by the Syrian Greeks in the cause of Hellenism. And in 165, before the Common Era, it was rededicated by the Maccabees after they defeated the Macedonian Greek rulers of Syria in a guerrilla war. And that, of course, is the basis for the holiday of Hanukkah, which this year will be celebrated beginning on the evening of December 16th. After 4 BC, with massive rebuilding by Herod the Great, 
The temple again became one of the great wonders of the ancient world. The Romans destroyed the second temple in 70 CE. For them, it was a victory of such significance that they commemorated it by erecting the triumphal Ark of Titus, which still dominates the Roman Forum, with a frieze showing a triumphal Roman legion carrying away the temple treasures. Now, while some would argue that this history is not, quote, true, our purpose this morning is not to talk about the historicity of uh, the temple, but to reflect the power that this history has on the Jewish people's psyche and connection to Jerusalem. History or archaeological facts can't change the foundation stories of the Jewish people. It's now my pleasure to introduce Imam Muhammad Jabara of the Cordova Islamic Center here in uh, Ottawa, in Canada, and ask and welcome him to our show and ask him to speak about the power of Jerusalem to Muslims throughout the world. Good morning, Imam. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I am good this early Sunday morning. How are you and your family? Very well, thank you very much, and thank you for having me on your show this morning. Oh, it is my pleasure. Um, as we chatted earlier off the air, um, I'm hoping that you will able to enlighten our listeners uh, to the meaning of Jerusalem to your tradition. Well, Jerusalem has a very central role in the Islamic faith. Um, The uh, 17th chapter of the Qur'an, which is known as a chapter of the children of Israel, Bani Israel, first verse starts off, I'll just uh, say a short quotation in Arabic, and then I'll explain it. (coughs) This is like this. Bismillah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سبحان الذي أسرى بعبده ليلا من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى الذي باركنا حوله So this verse here shows the great importance of Jerusalem and its vicinity to Islam, where the Qur'an calls it the land which God has blessed. And not only is it blessed in itself, it's so blessed that it blesses everything around it. A land that is so holy and so so beloved and dear to to the deity. Um, if you look at uh, the commencement of the Islamic faith, for the first almost thirteen year, almost fifteen years of Islam, the direction of prayer for all Muslims was Jerusalem. So that's why Jerusalem is also looked at as the first uh, point of um, we call it the first qibla or the first direction of prayer that Muslims directed their prayer and devotion to God towards Jerusalem because of sanctity and holiness. Now, the other thing is, 
uh, you have to look also from the Islamic point of view that Muslims regard the patriarchs and basically all the Hebrew prophets as prophets of Islam. So <laughs> that's another thing that gives um, Jerusalem and the Holy Land that extra importance in the Islamic um, in the Islamic creed and also to Muslims as well. That Muslims regard uh, all the prophets of the Old Testament as prophets of Islam. So they don't regard them as alien prophets or prophets of another faith because uh, Islam looks at itself as a continuation of the same tradition that draws back to the time of the patriarch Abraham. So the same claim that the Jews would have to to the Holy Land and uh, the linkage to Abraham where they say, well, this was promised to our patriarch Abraham. So a lot of Muslims or say the majority, the majority of Muslims hold that same view that they have the same um, religious uh, love and link to the, to Jerusalem due to its linkage to all the prophets, going to uh, the prophet, the great patriarch Abraham as well. Perhaps you could tell our listeners how in the Dome of the Rock um, reveres the story of Abraham uh, from Islamic tradition. Well, the, uh, the Islamic tradition looks at Abraham as the, you know, one of the, I would say, if not the greatest prophet. Um, Abraham is mentioned in every Islamic prayer. Um, when Muslims pray towards the conclusion of the prayer, there is a special prayer that is uh, devoted to Abraham and his descendants and his progeny, which is the last thing that is said in the prayer, at the conclusion of the Islamic prayer, uh, I would say from the Sunni, in the Sunni tradition, <clears throat> excuse me, that the conclusion of the prayer ends with prayers for, for, for Abraham and his descendants, you know, and, their, and the blessing and asking God to bless us in the same way that he blessed them. And even in the, uh, uh, in the first chapter of the Quran, which is known as Al-Fatiha, the opening chapter, um, Muslims pray to God to, to make them uh, of the same piety and of the same, and to attain the same blessing and the same righteousness that he did to the to the uh, patriarchs and the prophets of the past, uh, who basically seeking um, the same merits of of the ancestors of these ancestors who were the prophets, asking God to make us like them. In the Dome of the Rock, though, um, there is a special rock, yes, that that the mosque takes its name from. Um, yes. And there is a story related to that rock and to the patriarch Abraham. Am I correct about that? Like there's um, uh, like there's several stories that relate to 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 that location, including uh, see what Muslims believe. I would say not, I wouldn't say all Muslims, but a large number of um, Islamic sects and Muslim, uh, you know, traditional scholars believe that um, the place where the Dome of the Rock is is the place of um, the final gathering of humanity. Because according to some traditions um, narrated to the related to the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him where he mentions what is known as the Hashr, which is towards the end of time, before the world ends, that all people will congregate in Jerusalem. And it's upon, that's, that's above the, the rock, 
is where the the angel will blow the the great horn and the world will end and that's where the commencement of the judgment will begin so it's all related to Jerusalem it's um interesting that of course all three uh monotheistic traditions that have their roots um in the story of Abraham believe that the uh end of days will center around Jerusalem. Yes, definitely. And, uh, of course, one can understand how um, that kind of uh, faith perspective uh, makes Jerusalem so central for all three traditions. I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners um, some of your thoughts about the difference between a Hajj to Mecca and um, the idea of Jerusalem as a holy place. Um, Because, of course, in um, the broadest sense of Christianity, um, people don't necessarily uh, make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They may visit there, but there is a, a different sense of pilgrimage in Islam. Yes. The pilgrimage to Mecca, actually what makes Mecca special for for Muslims is uh, the patriarch Abraham as well, because uh, Muslims believe that the Kaaba, which is the, uh, the cube-shaped uh, building in the center of the Holy Mosque, which uh, Muslims pray towards as a direction of prayer, was erected and built by the patriarch Abraham, assisted by his son Ishmael. And and is that the black structure that exactly. um, non-Muslims see on TV each year during the pilgrimage? That is correct. This is known as the Kaaba, and the word Kaaba literally means cube, cube-shaped building. So, and it was erected, uh, believed to be, have been erected by uh, the patriarch Abraham. This story is mentioned in the Quran. Uh, the entire this incident of Abraham erecting the Kaaba as a place of worship to you know dedicated to God to monotheism, and the entire pilgrimage, the entire Hajj revolves around Abraham because all of the rituals that take place during the Hajj are a reenactment of uh, things that happened in Abraham's life. So the standing at Arafat, which is uh, which is central to the Hajj, where everybody stands united as one, um, commemorates an incident in Abraham's uh, life where where Abraham stood as a um, a person of who had mercy towards all humanity. That he was not selective, nor was he uh, sectarian in his outlook on the world. That he and we saw that we see that in the Quranic and the Old Testament story where he argues with the angels to defend the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Um, to show that humanity that that he did care about people. And, um, and, and of course... Uh, I mean, that's at- an interesting theme in all of the Old Testament books, not only Abraham, but of course Jonah, yes. the prophet, um, um, is sent to save the people of Nineveh, who are not identified in any way other than, um, than um, members, uh, not members of the covenantal people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So... So that's why the Hajj is where 
people from all around the world come and congregate to, to uh, because when you look at the symbolism of the Hajj that everyone is wearing the same simple garbs and everyone's standing equal, it just reminds you that, you know what, um, regardless of what sect you might call yourself or what religion you might call yourself or what race or culture, what you all share at the end of the day is your humanity. And uh, that's what Abraham was. Like He was a father of humanity, that he was a symbol of humanity, of mercy towards all, his generosity towards um, guests, regardless of who they were. Like, he didn't just invite people of his faith or people of faith into his home, but he invited all people, and he was very generous to all people and compassionate. And I think that's the message that's supposed to be portrayed, and that's what gives Mecca its uh, its importance, its linkage to Abraham himself. Well, I mean, that in and of itself is interesting to me, Imam, because um, I'm not sure that I had ever heard the Hajj um, discussed and its uh, connection to uh, the history of Abraham. I know that um, pilgrimage to Mecca is one of the five pillars of Islam. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. It's a fifth. Um, and therefore, it always seems so particularistic. But you've reminded the listeners and myself about the universal nature of uh, the pilgrimage. Um, so I'm wondering, in Islam, um, as you understand it, um, is the um, physical place... Um, as important as the spiritual journey that one can make anywhere? The, from an Islamic point of view, it's the spiritual journey. Um, what, what makes Jerusalem so important? What makes the, the Holy Land important? It's all the prophets who walked upon that land, all the prophets who are buried in that land. That's what makes it so holy and makes it so sacred. Uh, Because land on its own doesn't really have a significance. It's not the land itself or the location, but rather the memories and associations we have with such locations that become special to us. And for for Jerusalem, uh, because what because in in the story that I just uh, the verse that I mentioned in the chapter known as the chapter of the children of Israel, uh, chapter seventeen of the Quran. Um, it reminds us of an occasion which Muslims believe that um, the Prophet Muhammad might went on a night journey from Mecca to Jerusalem. So this brings us the importance of Jerusalem in Islam. Um, that Jerusalem has a has a, a important uh, position because the question arises is why didn't because uh, when the Prophet Muhammad in the story arrives in Jerusalem, he finds all the prophets that God had sent from the beginning of time all congregating there. So they're all meeting where he meets all the prophets to, to show this unity that all the prophets were one and the same message. So the question is why they're in Jerusalem? Why didn't all these prophets uh, as souls uh, congregate in Mecca where the Prophet Muhammad had been? Because he was um, 
uh, he was beside the Kaaba when the incident is believed to have happened, right? So, and then he goes to Jerusalem, and it's from Jerusalem that the Muslims believe that he ascended into heaven, <clears throat> where he met with biblical prophets. Uh, he met with uh, Moses, whom he had a long conversation with about prayer, about devotion, about worship, where he saw other prophets, including the prophet Abraham. But um, this, it all ties back to the importance of Jerusalem. The Jerusalem plays a key role in that story, which is commemorated in the Qur'an. <clears throat> and um, in, in the centrality of Jerusalem as, as a holy place. So it is, it is a spiritual connection connected to Jerusalem. Because a lot of these stories, like I said, they're not, um, they're not things that could be understood uh, literally but rather the spiritual element behind it that makes it special. Because at the end of the day, land is just land, just um, rocks and stones. But what makes the place special is its connection to to holy people that are connected to that land. You know, um, it's so fascinating that um, in Hebrew, um, the word um, Jerusalem ends with the three root letters for the word uh, shalom, shin, lamid, mem. And um, those three root letters also mean wholeness. Yes, wholeness, exactly. Um, And um, holiness is, of course, uh, one of the essential aspects of a person being whole. That faith in all of our traditions, is intended to help us actualize uh, the best that we can be, to be complete people, which is the notion of uh, wholeness. And so um, in your sharing with us this morning about Islam's fundamental stories, foundational stories, which are all about uh, people coming together and um, strong indications that what makes uh, a Muslim a person of faith is um, their commitment to these foundational stories of uh, wholeness. Um, Judaism, of course, when it speaks of um, Jerusalem, also speaks of more than rocks and mortar or place. It shares many stories about um, this being a, uh, as Jacob says, this is a place that where God resides and I did not know it. This is a place where I find my conduit to the best that can be within me, and that is, of course, my uh, spiritual connection to the Holy One. Um, This has been a a wonderfully fascinating conversation. All too often, we speak of Jerusalem as a place of discord and not a place of harmony. All too often, um, we speak of Jerusalem as a location in the world that uh, separates us, and members of all faiths uh, try and identify this as a uh, city um, in which there is a particularistic ownership rather than a universal commitment 
to a uh, place of spiritual fulfillment. Um, For all our traditions, it's a place where the foundational stories of our people are found and where the foundational stories originate. I want to thank Imam Muhammad Jabara for sharing with us this morning. Um, You can find out more about the Cordoba Islamic Center on their website, and you can find out a great deal about Muhammad uh, Imam Jabara on their website. And I want to say uh, shalom. This is Rabbi Stephen Garten for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, wishing you all a wonderful day.